listening to Frella with Freddie and Bella. Good afternoon or evening or morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Either <laughs> one is fine. My name is Freddie. Across from me is my wife, Bella, and this is the Frella podcast where we talk about anything and everything at varying degrees of length, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it hasn't been a set term. Not really. And we also said this was going to be consistent, and we totally lied about that. So there's well, that too. We're going to start with consistency now. Yeah, sure. We are, okay. this is uh, episode three. Um, I don't know how many months later, but you know, we, we did it. We're here. We're still trying. Um, I'm not sure what we're talking about today, but uh, uh, Bella has a couple of ideas. So I'll let her uh, decide what it is we are discussing in this episode. So much pressure. How is it so much pressure? <laughs> <laughs> Really? That's this is this so that's pressure? pressure. Okay. No, but I did have an idea. So we've been talking with friends and family a lot lately about like kind of how people interpret art differently. Yeah. And because you are a musician and I like art stuff and we both probably watch way too many movies and T V shows, I thought we could discuss that a little bit. Um I guess I'll start off with a story. Oh, yeah, story right. time. <laughs> was this YouTube? No. <laughs> but I was talking to my little cousin, mm. and she had mentioned how, like, she was sharing music with someone, and they took it one way, but the way that she meant it was another way. And I was trying to explain how, like, I don't, I don't put out my music, but when I used to write songs, sometimes I would write songs thinking about them one way and using like very, I guess, artsy language, like things that weren't necessarily literal, but sometimes I would share that and people would take it very literally. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that and if people have done that with your music. No. (laughs) (laughs) Short answer. (laughs) I mean, if I'm being honest, most of the time people are just like, it sounds great, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> is is what I've run into. I mean, with this past release, it's been pretty good, but I think it's also in juncture with the fact that I put out a booklet with it so people could actually read what was being said. And so <laughs> it was a little easier for them to understand the concept. Plus, there was... This is the first time I've ever done, like, interludes in the actual project. So there's, interludes like... Interludes explain what an interlude is. An interlude is basically, like... Um, not so much an overture. Like, you know how before a musical there's like an overture? <laughs> no, you simple okay. simple people language. Oh, my gosh. So an overture <laughs> is like in the beginning of a musical or something where they play like oh, the, like pieces of different parts of songs in the musical. If, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm correct. If I'm mistaken, I'm sure someone will correct me at some point. But interludes are essentially, essentially like things you put before songs. Uh, in in album form, it's like someone can put a skip before a song or like some kind of musical thing before the actual song happens. So that's what an interlude is, if that makes sense. So it's not necessarily like... It's something that has to do with the song, but it's not the song itself. Yeah, so like, for example, there's uh, a rap group called Tribe Call Quest, which is where I got the idea for my interludes from is there's an album called Midnight Marauders where the interludes are a 
a lady's voice that's supposed to sound electronic, almost like like Siri or something, but this mm-hmm. is like in 1994 or something, so it's not. But it's supposed to sound like a computer speaking. And so those are the interludes that are in between, in between like three or four songs. Then you'll get the interlude that kind of breaks it up into different sections. So for me, the interludes I put in were made to explain what the estates of the realm are. So estates of the realm are essentially different, like it's a European caste system almost. Mm-hmm. Like you had, you know, clergy and you had nobility and then you had like the third estate, which is like everybody else, like peasants and all that. So in order to under- explain like what the concept of the album was, the interludes are there to kind of be like, this is what we're commenting on in terms of like the structure or the concept of the album. And then the lyric booklet helps in tandem with the interludes because it's like people can read like where the different, like what each song, where, why each song falls into that category, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, when the, when the Seven Days review, shout out to Seven Days in Vermont, I appreciate the review. That was kind of amazing and a little, it was crazy. But <laughs> when the Seven Days review came out, it basically, like, the, the person who did the review was able to kind of, with those things, was able to kind of interpret correctly what I was trying to do, which is, like, every different aspect of those realms has kind of a reflection today. And then every different aspect of those realms tackles different aspects of life. So, like, with nobility, it's not so much like you're not, you know, struggling for money. So it's a little more conceptual stuff. Like, you can, you, you're able to be more into politics in a way that's not, like, surface level because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in those areas. Or, you know, there's a, probably a big thing about your name and your family's name and the, the the things that come with that and like how you act in that way, how that influences people around you and like how that forces you into positions of having to like, you know, you may have to defend your family name or in your actions or stuff like that. And then like the third realm is like, you know, normal people. So like a lot of that stuff was talking about like current stuff that normal people deal with like immigration, gentrification, the pressures of trying to be successful as a young person and, or the pressures of, you know, trying to just maintain yourself in a space where you're not exactly going for your dreams, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's like all of that stuff was all mishmashed together. And then the last part of the thing, which I was worried that most people wouldn't get, is like there's the clergy side of it. And so the last part of that, there's like a double-sided meaning to the last song. Because it's supposed to be, like, hopeful, and the instrumental's all happy, and, like, the, the, the whole idea is, uh, you know, there's still estates, but there's supposed to be estates that are made up with love, and everybody's supposed to be helping each other, and there's supposed to be, like, this ideal thing. And then, for the most part, the last part is, like, me hoping everything goes well, but the last part is also, like, a commentary on how a lot of the stuff, like, a lot of the stuff that people see as the church doing is just like well we hope everything goes well (laughs) but there's no like actual movement to make things better in the world it's just like you know we'll all we'll find a way we'll figure it out or we'll just you know things are things are going to be the way they are now and then the other side of eternity will be totally fine it'll be great we'll all have mansions and uh." (laughs) 
So like that's kind of how that album, the album, this album worked out, and it seems like a lot of people understood like what I was going for with this one, but I was also in more intentionally trying to get that across. Because in my opinion, there's people who in art you have people who make art to communicate something directly. Yes. So it's like, you know, you got something like Banksy, like the street artist. Oh who, yeah make stuff that's like very like you can tell there's a meaning behind it you can tell kind of what he's going for with certain things and certain statements it's still abstract like it's still like you you have to kind of dig further but you kind of understand the commentaries trying to make but then you have like i don't know say a dude like jackson pollock or like andy warhol or something where it's mm-hmm. like this is different shades of soup cans. What was the point of this? <laughs> or like when I was, you know, a graphic design major for like two seconds, um, we went to this <laughs> installation in Boston, and the dude just had put a string, that, a red string that went from the ceiling to the floor in a diagonal, in a like a, a diagonal orientation, and that was the whole sculpture. And the most of us were just like. <laughs> and some people were like oh that's deep that's really but it's like there's there's direct communication like you know there's direct communication where people can easily see what you're going for Mm -hmm. and then there's like people who just make art for art's sake which is like there may not be an actual meaning or there is one but you really really either gotta know the artist or you gotta really 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 do your homework (laughs) And, like, understand what any of this is. And so, like, I think that's kind of the two different mediums of, like, how art is communicated. Music is weird because, you know, like, depending on what spectrum you fall in and what kind of, like, fans you have, someone could be really into it and, like, know you very well and be able to decipher all that stuff you're putting out, even if it is intricate. Or you can have, like, a surface-level person who bought, like, one track on iTunes and is just like, I just like the beat, (laughs) (laughs) which is totally fine. But like, I feel music is so subjective sometimes. Like it's, it's easy to see how someone would look at a certain thing and be like, Oh, that's obviously what that means. When sometimes it's just like an artist is just like that word rhymed and it sounded cool, but someone will have a (laughs) whole other connotation of what all this means to them. Let's, back up a second because I want to know so like for me we've talked you and I have talked about this before just not here on the podcast yet but when we like when we write songs we do it differently mostly most likely I guess because you actually play instruments and I don't so (laughs) for those who don't know (laughs) When I write a song, because I don't play any instruments, I like I don't know how to explain it, but it's like the words just come, and mm. then I write it down on a paper, or maybe I'll be like humming something, yeah. and that's like in my brain I'm like that's how the song goes, and then I just write the lyrics as they come out to whatever that tune is. Mm-hmm. But for you, you do it like the opposite direction. I mean, yeah, for me it's more mathematical in a way but it's also a lot simpler I feel like <laughs> compared, <laughs> compared to yours 
Only because like I from because I rap, I now know like when I look at a song and if it's three minutes, it's like, oh, okay, that song has three verses. Because you only have space for sixteen bars of a verse. Three minutes means three verses <laughs> of sixteen bars. So and a chorus is gonna be eight bars. So it's it makes sense to me in a way because it's just like it's still all just mathematical. This is how see my brain doesn't math like that. And it's fine. <laughs> like there's plenty of people who don't write like that. There's plenty of rappers who don't write like that either. Some of them are just stream of consciousness, and sometimes it's obvious. But do you do the same thing? Like, do you do have the same formula for writing a song when you write like a rock song or a punk song? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a little different because it's not, like, you can't have it be... They have to be a little more fluid. Like, that's kind of the danger with producing your own beats and rapping and stuff is, like, you can fall into it being formulaic and kind of robotic. But, like, with rock music, you can make it robotic for sure, but, like, it's it's harder to make have it fall into that because you're playing the instruments as opposed to, like... You know, cutting stuff up and then shifting things around and making drums and things like that. So it's a little less structured, but it still has like a formula. Like for me, is is I strive to make it simple as possible. So for if it's a rock song, I mean, I may have like a million guitar tracks, but like as far as the lyrics go, it's gonna be like maybe eight lines and that's it for the verse, as opposed to like. 16 for a rap song, which makes it a lot easier. <laughs> well, do you, when you write a punk song or a rock song, do you start with the music or do you start with the lyrics? Um, sometimes it depends on, depends on, um, I don't know, it depends. Sometimes I start with lyrics. Usually that's not how it happens because I don't know how to sing things until there's like music. So, um, like with rap songs, like I have stuff that I've written from years ago that I haven't used yet, but like lyrics, not yeah. like music. Okay. But as far as like punk songs and stuff, I can't actually, I can't think of lyrics before, before having any music to it. It's kind of confusing. That sounds more complicated to me. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it is. Cause then you have it with you and then you can just kind of like, you, it's for me, it's easier to structure lyrics around a song than to have like lyrics and then have to figure out how to piece it together again. I guess that's true. Cause like, well, I don't play an instrument, so I've only had people put music to my, like put instruments to the lyrics maybe two or three times. Mm. Like once when I was a teenager, my friends put, their music they just started playing when I was singing it and it just went and it sounded really good but I don't I'm not a musician so I don't understand how that part of like the brain works and then when I write things even when I'm writing like poetry or a story Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily something I've thought out beforehand like it's just like I guess it's something inside that needs to be expressed because it just kind of comes out. So, like, I don't pre-meditate on what I'm going to write unless I'm, like, writing it for someone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't think about, like, oh, this poem is going to be about this or even, like, the story is going to be about this. I just kind of start writing and then I 
see the direction it's going. Like, if it's a poetry, if it's poetry, then it's easier for it to just kind of flow out, like, kind of like with songs. Like, I don't think about it much until it's over. Mm-hmm. And then I read it, and then I think about how people could interpret it. And, like, usually when I read it, I'm like, oh, this is why I wrote this. It expresses this, this, and this. And that's what I've been thinking about. Um, but then other people can read the same thing and have a totally different <laughs> take on what was written. It maybe has nothing to do with what, like, I think about it or what I think I was expressing. Um, but when I write, like, a story, for instance, it will start out the same way, yeah. but then I'll stop and read, like, a paragraph or two and be like, oh, now I can envision, like, this whole world and this whole, like, where I want the story to go. And then I can outline it, but I can't outline it usually until after I've written, like, a couple paragraphs. So it's, it's interesting, like, I think maybe because we approach creating things differently... Maybe that's why people, like, see different things in different pieces of art. I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, I think that's, that makes sense. Like, like performance art, I don't understand. I love performance art. Like, you get that. <laughs> like, FK Twigs and every, all that. I do not understand any piece of anything that's happening. But that's also because, again, in my mind, it's like, why is there a guy in a deer costume twirling in the middle of the stage... <laughs> While she's singing about, like, coffee. Like, none of this seems related to me. Like, if it's not straightforward, I don't, I don't understand. But that's also, like, the way I write songs is, like, very structured. And it's, like, anything that isn't directly to the point mm. is stripped from it. Because I don't have time to... Like, I'm, I'm unlearning that. But, like, I don't have time to... You know, if it's not directly to the point and can't be communicated in a concise way, I don't really... I don't really get it. But, like, for you, it's like, oh, no, this makes sense. Because it's, like, it's just, like, some of it is just performance for performance sake. And it looks cool to them. And it's aesthetically pleasing or something. But, like, for me, it's like, but but why is he there? (laughs) Can you, do you have a hard time with things like, well, have you ever seen, you've seen a ballet. Yeah. Like, so if there's no words... Like, nobody's directly telling you what's happening. Do you think that it's hard for you to understand it? Like, like with ballet? Oh, a thousand percent. Like I'd, like, I'd be so confused. Like, what's that Disney thing called? Where is all... Fantasia. Never understood that. <laughs> like, the concept of it is just, like, it's visually nice to look at. I was always like, why isn't there any singing or it's just like those movies bothered me so much as a kid because there's just no purpose to it it's just it looks nice that's the whole purpose (laughs) couldn't handle it (laughs) still can't hate Fantasia to this day not the singer she's fantastic but the movies (laughs) oh my days I can't do it what about like so you were probably one of those kids that didn't like picture books no Or, like, those weird things where, like, you were supposed to stare at it and then you can see something in it. Oh, yeah, I love that. Never could see anything (laughs) in it. People would be like, oh, that's a boat. I'm like, no. There's nothing there. It's just a bunch of random blocks and stuff. I don't see anything. (laughs) Like, I 
couldn't I couldn't do it. And I loved those books. Hated those. I always felt so weird because I couldn't see anything. I'm like, are y'all lying to me? I think when I was I, those were really popular when I was in like elementary school. And I think like there were some in the beginning, people were like, Don't you see like the image or whatever? And I'd be like, No, I don't see it. But then I found like if I like unfocused my vision, if that makes sense. So like Yeah. Not necessarily going cross-eyed, but, like, you just don't focus too hard on anything. Then I could see whatever it was they were talking about. It was, like, different depths within the image, which was kind of cool. That was yeah. that was not my case. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been able to do that. I don't know. I, I bet you I still couldn't do it to this day. <laughs> you know, we had this really abstract... Um, we had really abstract art and music teachers when I was in, like, third and fourth grade. They were kind of wild, um, but one of our projects, I think in fourth grade, was to take, they had us do bubble art, so you like can put salt or sugar on the paper, and then you do watercolors, but you use a straw, and you like blow the color out the end of the straw, and it like makes all these pretty bubbles and stuff on the page. Um, and then after all of our sheets of paper were dry, we were supposed to take them and put them together and make a story out of it. And they were like, you can draw on it or whatever, but it was encouraged to use like the elements that were already in there. And I remember like in mine, my little booklet, they were out of the bubbles, like I made heads. And so I made the story called The Three Princesses. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the story about these princesses and I, don't remember how it ended but I remember at one point they were like in a tower but they were like helping each other escape so kind of like uh kind of like Rapunzel but (laughs) they helped each other to get out and um that's dark bro what's going on in your life (laughs) I don't know I I was like really excited about it and the princesses were like color-coded I don't know how I did that but it was like (laughs) did you make Powerpuff Girls (laughs) with basically I think it was like purple pink and green that's hilarious (laughs) But yeah, they were every everything I used, the elements are all there like on the page. So I just like used black to like make features, like the eyes mm. or whatever and the hair. Um or to like outline the parts that I saw like that. Yeah. Whereas other kids like they just drew their characters on the page and used it as a background or whatever. And I never really thought about it until we're talking about that now. Like that was probably kind of the other kids were probably like that's kind of weird. Or maybe they didn't <laughs> notice at all. But I, like, used what was in there. Not I didn't just draw and use it as a background. That's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah. But but that, again, it, it kind of reflects, like, the interpretation of even the assignment of doing that for two different kids. is That's like, true. why am I doing this? As opposed to one kid who's just like, I have artistic freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Which at that age is hilarious, but I mean that, like you know, art art is well. Here's the problem though: like every medium, in a way, can be regarded as art. Like literature, yeah, can be regarded music, all of that. Mm-hmm. But there's still like, unless they leave it open ended on purpose, there's still a specific thing they're trying to communicate. Like you can you can speculate if you know. If Darth Vader was really a bad guy, but like, homeboys will kill people for real. <laughs> like, 
you can like wax poetic, but if like at the end of the day, George Lucas is just like, nah, he was just a straight up villain. There's no redemption. Like, right, but that's also like the person who did it, like who created it. Yeah. Like telling you what the interpretation is. I think like sometimes as the person who's creating, you you have to be okay with the fact that, like, if you create this and you put it out there, that other people may interpret it differently. Even if you give them the tools, like... Because sometimes, like, I remember as a teenager, like, I'd be like, oh, I wrote this song. And then people would be like, why does it say this? Or what does that mean? And I'd be like, this is what it means. And other people would be like, well, it sounds like this. I think it means this. And I'd be like, okay, but I just said... It means this. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Obviously it means this. <laughs> so even that happened in college a couple of times too with like poems I wrote. Yeah. So I, I think what there's a saying of like that I, I agree with. I don't think everybody agrees with this, but there's a saying that says like um, the way that we interpret art says more about us than it does about the art itself like the art is just sometimes just that but how we think about it or what we think about it is like a reflection of how we see it so it's a reflection on us yeah um which i think sometimes people like when you say it that way like especially with like movies or weird like performance art like that people don't get like i'll i may be like oh this is really cool like when that kind of dancing where people use, like, flesh-toned leotards or whatever, I'd be like, oh, this is really cool. I enjoy going to see this. But I definitely had friends in college who'd be like, why are you dragging me <laughs> to see this? This makes no sense. All these people look like they're naked, and I'd be like, they're not naked. It's just, like, a flesh-toned outfit, and they would be, like, disturbed. And so, like, I don't know. I think sometimes then when you say, follow stuff like that by saying, like, well, it's, like, what do you think about it? People are like, it made me uncomfortable. Like, it can open up more conversations, but people are like, if it makes me uncomfortable, I don't want to talk about it. I don't think it should exist kind of type of thing. That's kind of valid. I mean, it's kind of like the argument of, like, the state of where comic books are. It's like people argue, like, there's some people who argue, like, the whole point of having characters like Iron Man and... Captain America and Batman and those fantastical characters is supposed to be escape. Like, you, they're not supposed to be, like, real-world, flawed type of... It's supposed to be, like, an idealistic hero. Mm. Whereas nowadays, it's like... You look at all these characters now, and it's like, Iron Man's an alcoholic. Captain America, <laughs> like, was part of Hydra for a moment. And then it was like, he's not. And he's like... All these things are, like... It makes some people, I think because it makes people uncomfortable, like you're taking these ideals that these characters are supposed to be and you're kind Mm. of, you know, forming them into, um, you know, it's making them more realistic, but it's also like it's having the real world creep into something that's supposed to be an escape. Yeah. So, like, people get uncomfortable with that and then so, like, there's a lot of pushback against, like, doing anything different with these characters which is unfortunate because you know some of them are, have been around for a better part of 40 years and they keep doing the same thing over and over again so it's like you want to do something better with them or something more 
the only thing I don't like is when they take that character and they're just like, hey, this character's a minority now. <laughs> Surprise, shorty. Without any reasoning for it. Like, it's just like they just, just like, you know, crowbar something in there. They, I mean, they've, they've landed, they, they've stuck the landing sometimes. Like, Kamala Khan, who's like Miss Marvel, like that story was phenomenal or Jane Foster and all of that. I'm not going to spoil it because she in the movie right now, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> or, like, Miles Morales being Spider-Man. Like, everybody was, at first, was like, what, a black spot? But then, like, the story was his... It wasn't, like, a rehashing of, like, everything they've done with Spider-Man before. It was a more interesting story. He had different powers, kind of. But, like, it it doesn't... Like, there's, if you think about it, like... There's been no new characters that like have really new minority characters. Just any characters in general. They they've introduced a couple. Like even I mean, I was super surprised that they used uh, uh, who's who's the character they used in the Doctor Strange movie. I don't remember. I was just about to ask you what her name was. Uh, the girl, right? And it was uh, I know her first name is America. I can't remember her last name. Though. Yeah, I don't know. But like that character is relatively obscure. So it's interesting that they use her in that way. Because, like, in the comic books, I don't know if she really landed like that. She was a favorite for a lot of people, but, like, not impactful in a way mm. that's, like, astounding. But there's no one to... There's, there's just, like, the introduction of new characters that can fit into that area of, like, the big ones. is There's no... It doesn't seem like there's any effort to do that. Well... Uh, that also begs the difference between art that's, like, catered to an audience True. and art that's created just to be created or to communicate something even. Because, like, if you think about it, what all of the, like, movie industries are doing right now is they're taking stories that people, like, our age and a little bit older will feel nos- nostalgic about and go back and watch <laughs> and maybe we want to, like maybe drag children to like go watch or younger generations to go watch and then they have a giant um franchise that they can build off of that because now it's like a multi-generational thing whereas before this is something that only people in our age group or maybe older could have related to because yeah. that's when it was initially created and so they're kind of catering to like an audience that didn't necessarily with with like Marvel and DC stuff they're creating things that cater to an audience that's not just like comic book readers because I never read those comic books like my extent of comic books was like random manga and Archie (laughs) comics like I didn't really get into the those comics even though that's kind of what my parents were into was like Marvel and DC and so yeah it's but like, even like Archie comics, like yeah. Riverdale is a whole dismantling of what Archie comics well, is supposed Riverdale, to be. Riverdale, let me push up my nerd glasses. Oh my god! Here. So Here Riverdale is based off of the 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 revised Archie comics, like the Riverdale graphic novels. That's what the show is based off of. Mm-hmm. But those comics weren't created to like necessarily cater to the same audience as the original Archie comics they were created for teenagers of like I guess I don't know when they came out like early 2000s so like mid 2000s I don't know so like 
it wasn't meant to be for the same audience necessarily. Hmm. Although it did capture me, it has also offended lots of Archie fans Myself everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it definitely got CWified with like just well, the yes. melodrama that is turned to thirty five thousand. But I mean, it's a, the first. I'm not gonna lie, the first season. Well, I like Fargo, so like. You see where I'm going with this. The first season, <laughs> to me, is fantastic. The murder mystery, like all the it was things like that go into that. Everything after that, that you didn't everything like. after that. This the show started to go crazy, bro. Yeah. Like a cult leader that wanted to dress up like doesn't make it a stunt man. Like nothing made sense after that. Like after that green eyed like murder thing, everything just went crazy. It's like this thing just <laughs> forgot that it was Archie and went straight like. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know. I couldn't even say what show. Was I like. liked it because, well, I do like the direction that they went with it, even though it's not like the traditional comics. <laughs> but yeah. it kind of is like similar to um, when they started changing. Like you know how there's been like all these different versions of Scooby Doo. Yeah. It's like at some point they kind of made Riverdale a little bit Scooby Doo ish, and then they tried to make it a little bit darker to where it was more about like trauma (laughs) than solving a mystery necessarily is like you knew what was happening and where it was coming from but it's just people trying to survive which like I do like shows like that although sometimes in this day and age I can't watch too much of that because it's like everybody is just trying to survive (laughs) it's too much dark but I do think they kind of tried to do that like even the um when, remember when Scooby-Doo, when they first did those live-action movies? Yeah. They kind of did that, where they tried to go extra dark with it. And for the time, it was kind of weird. So they, like, kept the bright colors, but then they tried to make it have the same feel as, like, what I think Riverdale is now. And everybody was like, this is weird. <laughs> Why did you create this? But it's all similar to, like, What's that show? There's um, Supernatural, but then there was... Uh, was it Preacher? I think it was Preacher. Preacher? Yeah, like, in some ways, like, Riverdale also reminds me of Preacher. With this, has a similar kind of, like, darkness to it. Even though it's not, like, the same yeah, it's genre, so... it's still, like, kind of mysterious, kind of dark. There's bits of comedy and suspense, but it's not ever, like too scary and it it I don't feel like it's necessarily meant to be taken super serious like it's it's serious in the show but it's not meant to be taken as like this super serious thing yeah well here's here's something that might be kind of also like artistic interpretation um I'm sure you know because you watch (laughs) shows with me all the time I have a big issue with writers walking back character growth yep. for no reason. Yep. That is probably my biggest issue in like TV shows today. But I don't know if that's just a me thing, like if I'm interpreting it that way, but it seems like a lot of shows is just like they'll have someone do like character growth. Like Riverdale is a prime example of that. <laughs> like someone will have some kind of growth like, what is it? Um, uh, a Veronica the, Veronica, Veronica character. Yeah. Like, one season she'll be like, yeah, my dad sucks. I'm independent. I'm doing great. And then the, 
dang near the next episode, she'll be like, but dad, like, what? <laughs> I thought you cut him off. What's going on? And I understand, like, you know, it's, that might be like an interpretation of like, you know, it's not easy to just like cut off a toxic parent like that and just move on or something like that. But sometimes it just seems like it's for the purpose of like moving a story along that has like that doesn't have a way of getting out of it other than walking back someone's character growth. Yeah, I it could be like sloppy writing, which I'm thinking of an example right now, but I don't want to go into it because we'll go into it in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes it's sloppy writing. Sometimes it's like people literally forget what they've done before. Like Supernatural could be an example of that. Like where we're pretty sure people have oh forgotten things. I don't even watch that show, but you've watched it and told me enough about it. Supernatural like, was painful. That was hard. <laughs> people forget sometimes what they've done previously. Whereas like, which is funny to me as someone who's like written stories and thought about writing a book. Like, I would look back into my story (laughs) for things to use like if I ever needed to so it seems weird to me that like with a show you wouldn't do that but I don't know maybe it's just I don't know if that's sloppy or if there's a reason like is there something that happens in that process of making a show that like doesn't allow you to do that as easily I don't know I don't know but it's also I mean I don't know if it's just like how things are being made now because if you also look at how like the newer Star Wars trilogies played out. Yeah. You can just tell they were like see the pants in it for most of it. Like <laughs> Well, and sometimes sometimes, like occasionally there are times where like we're watching something and you'll be like so upset about it because you're like, this just undoes everything that this character like learned in the last season. But sometimes I feel like they do it on purpose to like show not necessarily that the character has walked back but like maybe a section of their like personality or their story of where like they're flawed and so things keep looping yeah which happens in certain shows i think i think that is on purpose to like prove a point or to show like this is this character's flaw they all this is where they always mess up and like Sometimes they, like, really seem to learn their lesson, but then it goes back, which I think is also a way of just reflecting, like, we're human and we don't necessarily have linear growth. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a good point. Like, there's stuff like that in Preacher, too, where, like, it's like, oh, he learned his lesson. No, he didn't. Oh, (laughs) he learned his lesson. No, no, he didn't. But usually, like, in that show, the stakes were higher each time, where it was, like, he learned his lesson and then he would like cave to pressure <laughs> send someone to hell <laughs> by mistake but like it was obvious that he was like struggling with depression so it just depends on like how they do it because sometimes they think it's on purpose also to to build like audience tension I guess that's true and like they want you to be a little bit frustrated so that you'll <laughs> keep watching to see if it changes yeah and I think like for me it's also because I, I grew up on like you know, like Joss Whedon shows, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Angel, and uh, the Firefly, and stuff like that. Where like the... I have only seen one of those, <laughs> <laughs> and only because you introduced it to me. But like it doesn't, because you know, some of them, two of those were 
all of them are on CW anyway. But like, they're <laughs> <laughs> just talking about CW shows. I mean, well, I mean, that's if you really think about it, that's where the majority of like really high. Not high concept, but, like, the high-octane stuff was, like, CW was, like, very... I mean, I'm trying to think of other places where, like, super action stuff was. It was, like, 24 and stuff like that, but, like, I think I don't think either of us really watched... I'm trying to think, what shows was I watching? Like, what times were those out that... What shows would I have been watching? I'm trying to think of that, too. Like, for me, I was watching a lot of BBC stuff when I was in high, in college and high school. I was watching a lot of those, like, BBC romance things. Oh, I was like, not. Like, the Jane Austen movies and, like, the... What is... There's a show... It was called, like, Wives and Daughters. I think I made you watch that with me one time. <laughs> um, things like that. And then I was also watching... Like the show numbers, <laughs> <laughs> so or like anime, but like I wasn't watching a lot of TV shows like completely through. I think now that we have access to things like Netflix and Hulu, I watch more shows to completion. Whereas before, I wouldn't necessarily do that. Even though I could rent like, I I would get numbers at the library. Yeah. <laughs> and I would watch it. Or, like, I could rent TV shows, but I just didn't necessarily do that at the time. Yeah. I think that is interesting, though. Like, I would wonder if we... Well, I don't know, because it might not be the same thing for everybody else. Because, like, some of my friends... Like, I didn't know the concept of, like, seasons for shows until I was in college and, like, was watching Supernatural with Dan. Like, that didn't... (laughs) I didn't really understand, like, oh, so these go in, like these episodes are arcs and they have stories like because for me I would just be watching shows and I like the episodes would be like from different places like a lot of stuff was like reruns and syndication so like you're watching random episodes like for me the idea of like a story arc didn't happen until then and then like with Netflix and stuff when you can binge something from start to finish and it's just like oh there's a structure to the story I knew there was for shows like uh, well I loved Boy Meets World yeah but by the time I was, like, invested, it was, like, towards the end of Boy Meets World actually being, like, live. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew that there were story arcs because they had, you know... I didn't know that they were called seasons, but I knew that there were the story arcs because they had, like, when they were all younger, when Corey, Topanga, and Sean were all little kids and then they had them when they were in like high school and then they had them again when they were in college so like there was like an overarching themes and sometimes you'd be watching it on like disney channel yeah and it would there'd be like episodes that had like a story but it'd be two parts you know normally they tell it in a in one episode but it would be like two parts so it would be like to be continued at the end (laughs) of the episode and then you'd be like I don't get to know what else happens for, like, another week. And that's if, because we were watching Disney on uh, cable, like, it didn't necessarily come out in succession. It was just like, oh, that's the end. And then you just have to hope you caught the other half at some point. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah, I almost think that people who have grown up in this era of, like, watching things all the way through, Mm -hmm. 
may understand the overarching theme of a show more than how we were, mm. like, how we were watching things. Like, I don't... I'm trying to think... Like, the only other thing I can think of where, like, the, the, the structure was obvious and, like, the end goal was obvious was, like, The Last Airbender. Like, everybody knew where that was going because, like, the whole overarching thing was Fire Lord versus Aang. That's happening. <laughs> Eventually. Provided he doesn't get murdered halfway through the show, which definitely wasn't going to happen. Although they definitely almost did. <laughs> but, like, it's, in- it's just interesting to me. But, like, it was also still structured in a way where, like, every episode almost had its own focused ending at the end of it, too. So, like, you could watch one episode of that Last Airbender and it'd be like, all right, cool. Like, it still had a cliffhanger sometimes. Yeah. But, like, you could still be like, oh, that was cool. All right. Or, like, something like Rocket Power. I never... point to Rocket Power? (laughs) Well, I mean... Well, I didn't even think about the fact that, like, their dad was... Like, the two main kids, their dad was single, and he was, like, raising them, and he had Tito, and then he had the other kids who had, like... Both the other kids had, like, not ideal families. Was Rocket Power Nickelodeon? Yes. I thought Tito was the name of the kid from The Weekenders. I think there was a Tito in Weekenders. Oh, maybe Well, Tito was a grown man in Rocket Power. Oh, okay. (laughs) But, like, I never understood, like, the, the, the concept of, like, there's these two, like, kids who are being raised by this single father who's, like, kind of chill and relaxed, and then there's these other two kids in the group that are raised by more structured families and, like... Like, that whole thing of how, like, the dynamic of them interacting was different. Like, those two kids, like, his older sister was always, like, super responsible. And then her younger brother was always, like, the wild one doing stuff. And his friends, who were from this more structured families, like, one kid was more cautious. The other kid was, like, always tagging along for the ride. But he also had an older brother who was, like, antagonizing him all the time. And, like, (laughs) like, just all these crazy themes that just, like, now I'm, like... Oh, but while you're a kid, you're just like, oh, cool, they're skateboarding. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> That's kind of how it was with the Sailor Moon as yeah. a kid. Like, oh, she's funny. She was whiny, but, like, she was funny. <laughs> and I liked uh, the American version. You know, I grew up on the American version, so it was, like, very different. Yeah. But it was like... Oh, there's power and magic, and they transform into sparkly dresses, <laughs> and they kick butt. And like, as an adult, I think that when I started watching it in college, I was like, "Yo, these girls are naked." <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, there's like crazy things of like, like, like love and heartbreak, and yeah. like people actually die. <laughs> But also, like, you, you kind of realize, like, the magical girl concept of this is, like, almost horrific. And, they, like, they have to relive this. Yeah, they have to keep every being reborn. Every single cycle. <laughs> Until something changes. Like, it's not, it's terrifying. Like, <laughs> like it's such an interesting concept. It's the only way to save the world. <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, interesting that when you're a kid, like, it's just, like, whatever you're watching is just what you're watching. And yeah. then once you get older, you're like, there's, like, Hey Arnold is the darkest show. <laughs> if you're just, if you look, like, I saw something online the other day that was talking about Helga's, I don't, you've watched Hey Arnold, right? Uh, not a lot. Like, because we didn't watch a lot of Nickelodeon. So, 
I remember parts of it, but like, weren't her parents supposed to be terrible? Like, her dad was emotionally abusive, but like, yeah. didn't care about her, and her, and he regarded his older daughter as like the golden child. And then her mom was an alcoholic. <laughs> like this. <laughs> See, I never picked up on any of that as a kid, but I think that again points to like, you know, how people sometimes people will be like. Oh, like, oh, I don't let my kids watch this Or they can't watch this mm. And sometimes it's very obvious why Like, this is not appropriate for their age Yeah But then there's other times where it's, like I guess emotionally complex And so they're, like Don't want their kids to be exposed to certain things Yeah But, like, with that, as a kid Like, I don't know if I nev- necessarily would have honed in on that Like, I would have honed in on the fact that Helga has big eyebrows And... <laughs> called him football head like yeah there's there's <laughs> no way to like under seems like I only saw little bits of uh, what was it Rugrats yeah. I only saw bits of that as a kid like I never watched it like sat down and watched it and I never was super interested when it came on but like I never thought about the dynamic between the parents and the children or the dynamics of the parents or the dynamics of the children with each other. It was just like, these kids are all weird. Yeah. And then like each (laughs) group of, each group of parenting is like a deep, like a different commentary on like different styles of parenting. Yeah. Which is a big deal to an adult. Which is crazy. And it's also like (laughs) the whole like lip shits thing is like a commentary on like using like the motivational speaker, like how to raise your kids type stuff. It's like yeah, the craziest. It's so many different interpret, like so many different narratives or like different things that we're trying to get across in these like shows that were about kids breaking out of their playpens with a screwdriver that's in his diaper. Like <laughs> it's crazy, and I'm, I'm sure that still happens now. Like I don't really know. Like yeah, um, you know Disney, like. Um, Encanto. Yeah, like, in, like you got Encanto, and like TV series like, you know, Gravity Falls and Adventure Time, mm-hmm. which are still actually a little older now. So I'm not sure, like, yeah, what true. things are now. Shout out to Craig of the Creek, though, because that show. <laughs> Craig of the Creek is the best. Amazing. I'm so glad there's something out there that's just like has a black family as the main family, but it's just like. They're just the main family. There's they're no like, a, yeah. There's this no is a black family. <laughs> yeah, they're just a family, which I really appreciate. But yeah, it's it's interesting to think about stuff like Encanto and like even like Raya and the Last Dragon or mm-hmm. or um, what was the fish one? That was DreamWorks though. I can't or fish Pixar one? either. Luca, Lu- Luca, yeah. But it's interesting to see all these shows kind of comment, you know, movies kind of commentate on different things like emotional or generational trauma and like mm-hmm. stuff like that, and like do it in a way that's obvious, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot, it's a lot more direct than I think other things are. Like Monsters Inc. Like you would never, I don't know if there was ever a, a direct, like. There were, well, there was, like, an overarching lesson. Yeah. But it wasn't as, yeah, it probably wasn't as direct as 
like in content. Yeah, but it's it's definitely interesting, like how how more elaborate a lot of these these Disney movies are getting. I don't know if it's like I don't know which one would have started. I don't know if it was Moana or something before it, but it feels like it was Moana that kind of started that. Like this new iteration of like the format of how Disney movies are. Kind of, it may have actually started with Toy Story. Oh, you might be right. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because Toy Story originally was just supposed to be like, well, maybe not supposed to be, but it was came across as like it's all about friendship and like navigating difficult situations with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when they came out with like the second one. And then the third one, <laughs> and then you know, like it, they changed. It was still the same characters and generally the same lesson, but like they kind of grew the lesson out more. Yeah. Like it was about more things, but again, like as a child, you may only notice like friendship, <laughs> True. Woody and Buzz, like <laughs> I don't know. Because, like, as a kid, I didn't think a lot about um, the crazy kid in the first movie. Oh, Sid? Oh, Sid. Gosh. Yeah. Like, I remember being like, oh, that's weird. Like, when they go to his room and all the other toys have different toy parts and whatever. But that wasn't, like, the main sticking point for me. Like, I think the main things I remembered was, like, they went to Pizza Planet. <laughs> There were aliens. <laughs> aliens were firemen. Bo Peep was awesome. <laughs> like those are the things that stuck with me as like a younger kid. But I'm sure that with Disney they try to add layers so that'll be interesting to like all ages because otherwise you're not necessarily gonna want to watch it as a family. Like you may be like, oh, I'll put this on for my kids, but they're not gonna hook everybody in. So they have to be strategic about that, which is like where film like Disney film is art but it's also a business and yeah. so they're obviously trying to direct energy like in a certain way that makes sense that's definitely true whereas I mean, like a lot of us just people who create aren't necessarily like some of us are trying to make sales but <laughs> that's not necessarily the point of why we're creating even though some of us need to make sales <laughs> for sure i mean you gotta live so but that's not necessarily why like there's a difference between creating because you want to create because like if i wanted to create to make sales you know i'd just be i could be working in advertising or something like that but you know like not everybody's artistic energy is being put towards let me make money, it's being put towards I want to create this for X, Y, and Z, or usually like more personal reasons. Mm. Like, And then it's like, I'll share this because it's cool. <laughs> do you feel like you have a... I don't know. Why do you create your music? Me? I don't really know. It's... <laughs> um, I think I just like recording. I like the process of recording things. Like our podcast? Yes, like our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I mean, I enjoy the process of recording and stuff like that. I like helping people record too. I don't enjoy the business aspect of making music. I mean, 
That's not true. I kind of do. What do you mean by business? Like being aware of like, you know, like the process of promoting something or the back end of like if you are working with someone and collaborating, making sure they're compensated fairly and just making sure you're, you know, you got all your, everything in place that you need to have in place to make a release or do stuff like that or go on tour or make merch and all this other stuff like all of that is if you're not if that's not part of your artistic way of method of doing stuff then it's it becomes really taxing for me I don't mind because I still regard this as a hobby yeah so like I still regard all that as a hobby now if this was my job I feel like that'd be a whole different, different feel to it because I would like these things would have to happen in order for me to sustain and live and take care of my family and all this other stuff. So that would be a whole other added pressure. Yeah. And I think that's also why a lot of you see a lot of creatives come into like the music industry, especially, and then you kind of see over time like they just start to get burnt out because the business side. And the creative side, like, the, the creative side starts to shrink and the business side is growing. Because it has to. Yeah. Especially, which is why, like, if you're in a band, do, trying to get to that level of, like, success is probably more ideal because it's not just you. But as an individual who's getting to that level, like, everything is an offshoot of you. And you alone, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> but you also have more creative control. Like, it's definitely more work. Yeah. But you also have more creative control as a individual, right? Yeah, like, Because yeah. if you have, the more, I feel like the more people you have involved, just in general, it gets more complicated. Like, to keep whatever you want to create as whatever you want to create. Because otherwise it's going to get tweaked or shut down or changed because you have so many different inputs, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just you have more creative control when you're doing it on your own. True. But it's also like that. depending on the level you're at is where like that can also affect your creative control, mm, especially if you're true. an individual. And I guess in a band as well, but like when more people start to depend on you and like their livelihood is your livelihood essentially yeah like then it becomes you know for some people they don't care like their art is their art and they want to create and be extreme and kind of you know pivot if they want to pivot and stuff but for some people it's like i need to maintain this status quo and keep myself in this box because that's what maintains everyone around me and myself so in that way that can also like hamper your creativity but that also depends on like the mentality you have also because if you're a creative but also like pragmatic you might be fine because you're kind of being more realistic about the balance you need to have Mm. like for me I'm very like I understand that like I can make this song and I can do whatever I want to do to make this song because that's the position I'm in right now. But when it comes to putting this song out, 
I also have to be realistic about what's going to have to happen in order for that song to be listened to. So, like, whereas somebody who's, like, super talented might feel like people need to come to them, like, if I put this song out and it's amazing to me and I'm very talented and people have told me I'm very talented, obviously people should come and see this. <laughs> it was like someone who's more pragmatic would understand, no one gives a crap if you're talented. You are, like... This song's being uploaded every, like, 500 songs every minute being uploaded. Something crazy like that. Yeah. So it's like, if you, if you understand that concept and you're pragmatic, you understand that you need to put the work behind this thing in order for people to, to put it in front of people. And, like, the end result of that may not be the needle moving, but at least you've put out what you wanted to in front of people. And if that's enough for you, that's great. But sometimes that's not always how people are. Yeah, and so that like, makes sense. It, it turns into like when you're putting something out that you want to, and there's nothing happening, or there's like little happening. Then like you know you'll have the people who are like content with just like creating and putting stuff out, which is great. But then you have the people who are like their creativity is put in more into like. Let me scattershot as many things as I can until something makes sense, and then I'm just gonna keep doing, keep doing that. that. Yeah. And so, like for me, I think I've kind of done both, honestly. Uh, and it took until you know I stopped doing like the scattershot thing of like, all right, let me do this and do that and see what happens, and let me jump on this newer song and let me jump on this beat because it's popular now and do a freestyle. <laughs> like, all that stuff I did early on. Now I'm just like, I'm going to make this little album. I have a network of people I know really rock with the stuff I do. And, like, we help each other mutually and, like, we, like, you know, appreciate each other's stuff. And that's good enough for me. Like, and I feel like now that I'm in that space, I've gotten more looks than when I was trying to be <laughs> like, <laughs> the rapidy rapper. Like, you know, I was trying to, like you saw it, I was like on different blog sites and like different people who are in the industry that were just mm -hmm. like, come to this thing and I'll talk to you about how to, but I was in those things trying to figure it out. It wasn't until like the moment when I had sent a song and the dude who was supposed to be, like, giving you tips was like, ah, this song's not that great, blah, 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 you can work on this, work on that. And then in the comments, some dude was like, oh, I really rock with this. This is great. What's your SoundCloud? Oh, this is your SoundCloud? Dude, you have a fan. <laughs> and that's when I realized, like, was... oh, like, this isn't how this happens. Like, it's more like if you strive to force to find an audience as opposed to, like, being content with the audience that comes to you, I feel like that makes it easier for you to create something you enjoy as mm. opposed to, like, constantly feeling like you need to find as many people to help co-sign and all this other stuff. Yeah. And that's where I am now, is, like, I don't have the biggest following. I have, like, 25 monthly listeners. <laughs> but for me, it's, like, coming from a place where I was, like, all this music is trash. <laughs> I'm not good at any of this. And then, like, you know getting to be on the radio back home. It's public radio, but I'm still on the radio, and, like, I get occasional messages from friends who are like, dude, you're on the radio. <laughs> or Which like, is awesome. 
getting to be like submitting my album to seven days and getting to be an album that was reviewed granted it was like with six other albums but i'm still in a paper that i grew up with or getting to play higher ground with a bunch of my friends like that stuff is for me has kind of reinforced my creativity in a way that it's been helpful as opposed to like you know having a song come out having it go viral or something and then that's like the box of creativity i'm stuck into for the rest of my life mm. So I feel like the more community aspect has helped me, has helped my creativity be more bold in a way. Like it's helped me understand that like I can go out there and do stuff because there's no pressure for me to stay in this lane of like, oh, I'm going to rap on the most popular beats or I'm going to be like (laughs) trap and all this other stuff. It's just like, I can do whatever I want to. Like if you look at like, especially with like, the landscape of, like, Christian hip-hop, if you look at, like, all the stuff that's out now, not saying that I'm super different, but, like, a lot of it is kind of sonically the same. Everybody's kind of rapped similar in a way. Like, it feels like there's a lot of, like, very, like, templative things that are happening. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, that's rap. Rap as a template. It's okay. But, like, as far as, like, enjoying the creativity aspect of it, I think I've finally found a place where it's, like, it doesn't matter if I'm famous. It doesn't matter if people are, like, oh, you're amazing. It's, like, I I get to do stuff. I get to make music, and I get to put it out, and then it's out and gone, and that's... I can move on to the next thing and be more creative or be less creative. I have the choice to do that without... (laughs) being afraid of something happening or you know i'm more i'm more afraid of like my creativity putting me in a place of like being prominent because i know that i could end up being like okay i need to do this for the rest of my life and that's what i'm gonna do that's what you got me for (laughs) i know for the smackdown excuse me i'm just kidding Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay I guess last question. Mm-hmm. What's something you would say to your younger self <laughs> starting to pursue music? Uh, you get to play higher ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be to a lot of people, but you get to play higher ground. <laughs> but I mean, but that's kind of the thing, though. Like, to me, that alone, even getting to play like 242, that alone was impossible. Like, like I, those were like your big dreams. Yeah, like that didn't seem like something that would ever happen. Like even getting to play a local show and the idea of people being like, oh, you did good. That was not even an idea to me. <laughs> so the fact that like I could have random people in like Germany be like, hey, that's, this video's pretty cool. You want to rap on something I did? Like that is... <laughs> otherworldly to me that's astronomical but i don't think i had that kind of mentality when i was starting to make music Mm. for me it was like i want to do this and that like the idea of like wanting to do this was like oh you're gonna you have to be a certain thing or you know you have to have this many things or plays or people looking for you or checking for you and so i mean i think i would just say that like you get to do a lot of the things you wanted to do. Not everything. You're not going to be famous, but you get to do a lot of stuff <laughs> that you never There's thought you'd be able to do. Time. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. 
You'd have a heart attack if we woke up tomorrow and one of your songs went viral. I would die. I would not. I do not. <laughs> I am so 1,000% good. I would rather be like... <laughs> I would rather be like a random rapper who just puts stuff out randomly and like occasionally people are like, this is amazing. My biggest fear is like ending up like the people who like put something out and then like 10 years later, these random kids are just on Reddit are like, yo, look at this. And then everyone's <laughs> like, oh my God. Like that. Like Kate Bush. <laughs> is my absolute fear. Like I do not want that to happen. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. It's just like, bro, you don't get to be famous and all that other stuff, but you still get to do a lot of the goals you had or wanted to do. And you get to do it with friends. You get to meet cool people. You're still anxious as heck, but you get to meet new people. (laughs) And like a lot of people are going to support you and be like, yo, you should still do music and you're pretty good at it. Because that's the hardest thing, I think, is like a lot of the times you just don't think you're good at it. And you search for that validity, and that's where I ended up, you know, trying to get into these spaces where people were giving you advice and stuff, just to just to hear them be like, "Hey, you can rap," which is like, <laughs> of course I can rap. <laughs> Anybody can rap. It's not crazy. Like your grandma can rap. <laughs> Shout out to grandma. Shout out to grandma. <laughs> she probably has the best bars in the whole family. <laughs> gosh but like your creativity is like your main like if that's something you enjoy if creativity is something you enjoy that's something you can hold on to and you can do for the rest of your life if you want not necessarily like having money or fame and all that but you can at least still be creative for the rest of your life that's something you can do and you know people are going to interpret it the way they're going to interpret it but like the meaning you have for it is something that is mostly for you, not for them. Mm. And if they get a meaning out of it that's positive, that's great. If they don't, you can't help it. But at least you get to still be creative. And that's, like, the important thing that I've kind of learned over time is, like, not everybody's going to understand what you're going for. Yeah. But, like, if your art is for you, that's fine. If you're able to communicate what you were trying to get across to at least one person, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, we live in like a strange time where like numbers are important, but like the idea that even like 10 or 20 people, like if you deep it, I only have 25 monthly listeners, but that's 25 actual people. <laughs> <laughs> like if 25 people in this room right now, we'd be like, it's crowded. <laughs> 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 this room is too small for that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think I feel like people lose the, the 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 real impact of like the scale of things. Like even if it's just twenty five people, like that's twenty five individuals that are still like, yeah, I can support this. I enjoy this so much that I like like I listen to it and I come back to it. That's crazy. I think I saw. I don't know, you didn't post this, I don't think, but I saw it on Instagram yesterday where someone was saying, like, we, especially with social media, like, people get tied up in how many people are liking or commenting on something, Mm -hmm. and we've been conditioned to think, like, oh, like, 25 to 50 likes is not a lot, but in reality, if you had 25 to 50 people come up to you and say, like, 
I loved this. Or like you even if you had those ten people come up and comment to you or even three people comment on something that you did, it would like make a much bigger yeah, impact. that would be crazy. That would be like, oh, why am I getting so much crazy love right now? Just, yeah. That is just 10 people. <laughs> like, that's, that's important not to just, like, skip over the idea that, like, even if it's five, like, that's five individuals yeah. that are like, yeah, dude, I like this. <laughs> you know, you can get lost in numbers and, like, once you get, like, people who have, like, millions of things, like, that's crazy if you think about it. Yeah. And people that they don't know. They have no idea who they are from different walks of life and stuff. That's amazing. <laughs> like, just, just like I don't, I don't know. I, honestly, like if you even have ten people who are bigging up your creativity, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like something you made in your bedroom has moved ten people to go out of their way to listen to something you made or something like something you wanted to say. That's true. Like that's really cool. And I know, like, now it doesn't seem like a whole lot because, you know, people are getting astronomical numbers and it's kind of nuts, but, like, that's still. But if a those big people thing. were to physically walk up to you, like, that would still be a lot. Yeah. You wouldn't lot have enough space for a million people. Like, people who get millions of views, you wouldn't have enough space to have that many people to come up to you. Like, you'd never feel like. I feel like if you were, say, you're at a music festival and every single person at that festival were to come and talk to you like you wouldn't have the bandwidth to like accept everything they were saying like when it's in a smaller quantity you do because in real life if someone was to come up to you like a million people would be overwhelming yeah i mean 10 people showing you genuine love is crazy bro yeah like i i i don't know if i received that much appreciation until i stopped trying to be mm. like until I stopped, like a lot of the thing, a lot of the comments I've gotten now for the stuff I make is like, oh, there's like a message, but you're not being preachy. Like you're not, mm. because I stopped trying to be like, trying to project like this image, this image to yeah. to gain something. It was just more like, this is how I interpret what's happening with me and stuff around me. And people resonate more with that idea than like, oh, you out here selling drugs. That's wrong. <laughs> you don't think I know that's wrong? <laughs> like, yeah, there's something to be said about like being able to be yourself because then you actually connect with people who like are somewhat somewhere connecting with you on the same on the same level. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was deep. <laughs> or something, I don't know. Am I allowed? I shouldn't call myself deep. That sounds weird. That was deep. That, that was, was something. That was something. We really, uh, really touched on something. Right? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> what, are the, what are the pastor hot phrases? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well... I guess on our next episode, we can delve more into TV shows. True. Because I want to discuss Stranger Things. Oh, But man. we have to give you guys proper spoiler alerts, so that'll be all that the next episode is about. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're finna hella spoiled. Yeah, everything will be spoiled. If you haven't watched it, 
don't listen to our Stranger Things episode until you have watched Stranger Things. Or unless you don't care about spoilers, but we're going to spoil it all. Yeah, it's going to be whelming. Or overwhelming, depending <laughs> on who you are. It's going to be whelming. <laughs> or over our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, if you really appreciated or liked what we were talking about, please, 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 if you're on Apple or Spotify or I think Anchor, you can hit the follow button and you'll get notifications when we put stuff out. Um, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, please go over to the Frella Facebook. I think it's just facebook.com slash Frella. Yeah. Um, or on Instagram. I think we're just at Frella, F-R-E-L-L-A. Feel free to DM us or send us a message about things you want us to talk about. What's up? And we just created a Discord channel. Oh, yeah. So that's been posted on our Instagram, or no, not on our Instagram, on our Facebook, but it will be posted soon (laughs) on our other social media. So please come and check out the Frella Discord. You can also message us there as well. Once again, thanks you guys for listening. Um, Share with your folks if you feel led. That'd be dope. Um, And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Ta-ta!